Welcome to Co-op Energy Talk. I'm Rachel Johnson, the Member Relations Manager at Cherryland, and I'm here with our General Manager, Tony Anderson. Good morning. And we were thinking with the August 2nd primaries coming up quickly, we wanted to just chat about the upcoming election and what voters can expect when they go to the booth on Election Day. Joining us today is Kent Wood. Kent is the Director of Government Relations for the Traverse City Chamber of Commerce, where he serves as their chief lobbyist and leads the business advocacy efforts for the local chamber and the Northern Michigan Chamber Alliance. Thanks for joining us, Kent. Hi, Rachel. Tony. Welcome, Kent. Good Thank to you. Have you. So, Kent, maybe before we dig into some of the races you all are watching, can you just tell us what issues seem to be most important to the businesses you work with? What, what concerns do they have that are kind of showing up in their issues that they're talking about this election? Great question. The, you know, overall, you know, we, we could get into, you know, dive into maybe some specific issues, but overall, the general theme, and, it, and it's kind of been this way for the last couple of elections, too, is just a general uncertainty with where things are going. With you know, you've got the rising costs of healthcare, um, of materials, of you know, different sources of, of energy sometimes. So there's a there's just this general uncertainty out there about what are we looking at, and and that that boils down to the the local level too, where you've got other issues of uncertainty like housing, daycare, transportation infrastructure issues, all of these, all of these things that are, um, you know, there's, there's no real good solution on the table yet, or at least no, um, no clear path forward on, on how we're going to make hay on, on some of these issues. And so whether it's the national level or the local level, a general uncertainty really kind of seems to be the biggest issue that that businesses are facing. Of course, what does that mean? What does uncertainty mean for them? It means it's it's a lot harder to plan. It's a lot harder to plan for their future. We're in a we're in a state of the economy right now where generally things are going very well, and most businesses are in a state where they are they're looking to expand and they're looking to grow. And when they're when they're doing that, these these points of uncertainty out there um, make it make it at the very least challenging to do so challenging to plan for that that growth and it can be frustrating sometimes because um, you know all of the time really because this is the this is kind of the state of the economy that you know especially as a chamber of commerce you, you want to have you want to have businesses looking to grow and and you want to have you know for lack of a better term quote you know air quotes, the, the right kind of problems, and, and we've certainly got the right kind of problems right now, but there's still problems, and there's still create for um, challenges for businesses trying to, to make that, that next step. And so that kind of just seems to be the general discomfort that's out there as yeah. we come into this election cycle. Won't we always be in some state of uncertainty as long as we have term limits in Michigan? I mean, we always have a new incoming class of legislators, so I, I have to believe that the business community is always in a state of uncertainty. I, I th you're, I think, incredibly right on that, it, or at least from the standpoint of is that we, we are always going to have that upheaval um, in our legislature, at least mm -hmm. in our state legislature. 
Um, you know, sometimes you get that at the federal level, uh, like we had in, in, in 2010, you get that upheaval mm-hmm. just as a result of, of the elections and, and, you know, the dissatisfaction of, uh, of the electorate or the satisfaction of the electorate. But you're right that in Michigan, every, every four years, you've got that upheaval in the Senate. Certainly um, this election, you know, in, in two years when the Senate's back up again, you, you've only got, I think, four, maybe six senators on both sides of the aisle out of 38 mm-hmm. that are that you know are going to be back the rest are going to be brand new and, and you see that same sort of thing in the house too every two years you know that on average a third of that state house is is going to flip over so we really need to get something done in the next two years before the senate yeah. entirely yeah. rolls over now you know sometimes you know you you do get in the senate at least where most often those incoming senators will be from the House mm-hmm. or from some yeah, other elected position. So, um, you know, with the Senate, you, you at least don't have that knowledge gap that yeah. you do when, that, yeah. when you get point. a huge incoming class into the House. For the most part, they're all brand new to the state legislature. They haven't. And as we're kind of seeing with mm-hmm. the energy issue that's been unfolding over the past few years, you know, you get to that two years and you start over again. You've got a new crop coming in that have no clue what happened back in 2008 uh, when the original energy legislation passed, and even no clue what's happened over the course of the last two years with the discussions that have been happening. Um, so, yeah, that yeah. that right there is a huge challenge, and it's something that happens every two years, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. So, so speaking of turnover, one of the kind of open seats that we have right now that I think we're all watching is at the federal level, Representative Benishek's not running again, so mm-hmm. the Michigan 1st Congressional District is open. Um, tell me what you're seeing out of that particular race and uh, both like what issues are important to people thinking at the federal level, but also just kind of what are, how close is it? Yeah, it's um, so kind of to answer that last one first, it's it's real close. Um, uh, and, and it's um, and I guess what what we're seeing or what we're going to see here in that race is a, uh, a race that is uh, a top five race nationally. So. You know what that means is is that both both political parties and their supporters at the federal level um, have this seat on their radar. For Republicans, certainly they want to keep control of that seat as they've had for the last six years with Representative Benishek. And Democrats certainly see this as a great opportunity to take this seat back. They had it for about 20 years with Congressman Bart Stupak. Mm-hmm. And it's a you know it's probably a, it's about um, now after redistricting it's about a 52 53 uh, percent Republican um, seat but that's most seats in, in Congress are um, very skewed one mm-hmm. way or the other so this is one of really a, a decreasing number of uh, seats across the nation now in, in in the House that are even that that close so Democrats certainly see an opportunity here to to pick that up. They feel like they've got a very good candidate in Lon Johnson, who was a former state Democratic Party chair, so a lot of ties to the party base uh, in the state of Michigan. And also his, uh, his wife uh, was a, a top fundraiser for uh, both of President Obama's campaigns. And so not only do they have those connections in state, they've got those connections, especially to fundraisers nationally. 
and and you're seeing that in in his reports too that 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 funding um, is is coming in for for Lon Johnson. Is he um, expending very much of that in the primary, or is he really kind of building up the coffers for the general? Yeah, it, he's really in a situation where he can build it up now. Um, he does have a primary opponent, uh, Jerry Cannon, um, also from from Kalkaska County, um, but you know Jerry's connections are very are, are much more limited than Lon's are and so um, you know Mr. Cannon just doesn't have the resources and most likely won't have the resources mm -hmm. to get out there and, and really really make it a race and so you know I think most anyone looking at that seat would tell you that Lon is the the presumptive nominee for the Democrats and and, and remember that this is the first congressional district in Michigan is the second largest congressional seat east of the Mississippi. Um, I, I believe 32 or 34 counties or something like that yeah. make up that first district. It's Aren't huge. most of the voters in that district below the bridge? Wouldn't that give Jason a, a, yeah, an it, edge? Yeah, especially in, in the Republican primary, uh, most of those voters are, are, or at least, you know, the, the, the majority are mm -hmm. below the bridge. Uh, and, and over 50% actually make up um, Jason's former state senate seat you know which is kind mm -hmm. of the, the the west coast there up to the bridge and then a couple of counties into the up to the sioux that makes up over 50 percent of, of that seat in terms of uh, yeah. republican primary votes right there but apparently casperson's made an in inroads down below the bridge if the polling is that tight well or? he he's certainly trying i think you know in in some of the polls that i have seen i think because it's so close uh, or one of the reasons it's so close is because they were still a large number of undecided voters out there. Uh, and I've seen anywhere from 24% to 40% in some of the early polls of people that were, were still undecided. Um, so where is there any, so, okay, and just to clarify for those following along at home, we're talking right now about the Republican primary. So when we're talking about Lon Johnson, we're talking about the Democratic primary, but in the Republican right. primary and the polling you're seeing in the undecided voters, is there any sense of where they are geographically? Um, a lot of them are below the bridge. I, I, I don't have a great breakdown of that, but a lot of them are below the bridge. Um, Senator Casp Tom Casperson, who's from, is a current state senator from Escanaba, and he's, he's another one running in that Republican primary against Jason Allen. Um, he's, he's got a very good base, especially up in that, in that western UP. Um, and so you, you won't find a ton of undecided voters up there in the Republican primary. Um, but as you get to that eastern UP and even northern lower Michigan, I, I think that's where you are finding the bulk of your undecided voters. Um, that's an area that Jason Allen has represented before in the state Senate. But we have to remember, too, that that was six years ago now, over six years ago, that he represent, represented that, that district. So you got some turnover in there and some, some short memories and whatnot. So uh, I, you know, I, I think that's that that's a big reason why why you are seeing that that level of undecided voters and also because you know there's a third candidate in there too lieutenant general jack bergman he also comes from the western end of the up but we've got these three candidates and i, and I think um you know most folks really don't dive in until the last couple of weeks before the election so i i think you know because it's been early still and because you've got three candidates in there um you know people are still trying to take a look at these guys and, and see who they are. So this one's going to be down to the finish line. I, I think so. Certainly on, on, on the Republican primary side, 
Um, you know, again, I, I, if I were to put my money on it, Lon Johnson's got it on the Democratic side. Um, and, and I think on the Republican side, my, my view of it is, is um, you know, I, I think it's really, it's, it's really a two-horse race between Jason Allen and Tom Casperson. But I'm seeing a lot of Jack Bergman stuff out there. I'm seeing a lot of signs. Uh, he's up on the TV. I believe he's up on radio. I've heard uh, some folks have seen some mail pieces. So he's out there. He's got some money to spend, and he's doing it. He's going to um, pull some votes from yeah, one of them. Yeah, and so I, I don't think it's going to be enough for him to win the day, but but it certainly will be enough, I think, or could be enough to impact the, the, the Jason Allen, Tom Casperson yeah, race. Bet, I bet so. And then looking at that, seat out into the general you've already pointed out there'll probably be quite a bit of money coming in and that's one of the you know top five mm-hmm. to watch it's kind of hard to say this prior to the primary but just looking at it what what do you what do you think like when in, I, in the general yeah like, i was afraid you were going to ask that question <laughs> i was I, I was hoping we could just stay on the primary because that is a hard one i i really um i really don't know right now and and, and i haven't you know most of the polling at this point has been geared towards the primary side of it. So I really haven't seen a lot of um, or really any any polls out there about the, the general yet. Um, so I, I, I really don't know. I, I think it um, here and, and here's here's some some thoughts that I've heard that I'll regurgitate, you know, back to you because I think they are kind of interesting. And I, I thought, um, you know, again, now that Traverse City, Grand Traverse County are back into the fold in the first district, there, there was a number of years in, in the 2000s mm-hmm. where Grand Traverse County was in the 4th District, which goes down into southern Michigan. We had Congressman Dave Camp. Now it's back in the 1st Congressional District. To me, that was a big game changer. That means the bulk of the votes are below the bridge now. The 1st the Congressional District has kind of always, the mantra's always been, it's a UP district. It's a UP-centric Correct. district. Mm-hmm. As we've discussed in the primary, that's not the case. I've heard some back and forth, though, about the general and um, I've heard some folks saying that actually in, in the general, it is still a UP district. And so because the UP has traditionally gone Democrat, um, you know, there's a lot of folks saying that they think Lon, Lon's got the edge and that maybe Tom Casperson, if Tom Casperson were to come out of the Republican primary as the winner, he would certainly pull um, from that. Democrat bias in the Upper Peninsula, again, because he's got such a strong base, especially up in the Western UP up there. Um, so that's that's one thing I've heard. I, I still don't know if I agree with that or not yet, but I think it's a, I think it's a very convincing argument. Um, I, I still think, though, that that, you know, the, the, the key population bases in the UP, I mean, you've got two, basically. You've got Marquette is certainly the largest by mm-hmm. far, and you've got Escanaba. I guess you could throw Sault Ste. Marie in there also. That still, to me, doesn't compare to you got Traverse City, Petoskey, Gaylord, Alpena. Um, you know, those those are four real huge key. You know, I say huge from a Northern Michigan standpoint. Correct, from, and all members of the alliance. Yeah, all members well. of our Northern Michigan Chamber Alliance, but certainly from a population standpoint, um, you know. That's it's it's hard. I I just I see that as being hard to make up in the UP. So I still think that you know whoever can really take Traverse City and Petoskey and make some inroad, you know, because all of the candidates are unknown 
in, in Gaylord and Alpena. Uh, you know, there's, there's nobody from the eastern side of the lower peninsula. So I think whoever can make some inroads in over there um, is, is really going to get a boost in the, both, the, I, both the primary and the general election. We'll, we'll have to come, have you come back after the yeah. primaries yeah. are over. Boy, so I was hoping you wouldn't ask. That was a long way to say, I don't know. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> very, very informative. <laughs> so, okay, so now to federal, obviously very interesting. Now at the local level, we've got um, really the majority of Cherryland's members are represented in the Michigan House by either the 101st, currently occupied by Ray Franz, or the 104th, mm-hmm. um, held by Representative Edmund. So the uh, 101st is open, um, Representative Franz's term limited out, so there's a pretty um, interesting race going on there in that there's no there's an un, un, unopposed um, candidate in the Democratic primary. Mm-hmm. That's Dan Scripps. Mm-hmm. In the Republican primary, we have several people running. Are you hearing anything about that particular primary? Um, you know, I, I'm really hearing a lot of, at least from a from the business community side, a lot of good talk about Kurt Vanderwall, who is a who is a small business owner him, himself. Um, and, and a lot of folks, um, at least that I regularly bump into, that are on the Republican side of the aisle, have really had a lot of good things to say about Kurt. Um, so I, you know, to me, I, I really see, and, and, and you, you, you're starting to see a lot of the endorsements and the, the, the PAC money start, not start, but have been going to Kurt also. He's also a county commissioner from Manistee County, yeah, Correct, yeah, correct, absolutely. So, you know, if you were forcing me to put money on it right now, I'd probably put my money on, on Kurt. I, I, uh, I, and from what I understand, he, he does have a, have a pretty good uh, political organization around him, too. You know, like you said, mm-hmm. he's already an elected official. So he know, knows what he's doing to, to be elected. Um, but then, as you said, on the, on the Democratic side of the ticket, not only is, is he unopposed, but... Most people will recall the name Dan Scripps because he's already represented that area before. I think it was back in 2008 mm-hmm. when he won uh, election and represented uh, represented that seat for for two years until he was unseated in that big Republican wave in in 2010 by Ray Franz. Um, to me, that's that's huge. That is huge because Dan already has. Not only does he already have a, a political organization under him that he can tap back into, but he's got that name ID and that, that name recognition already in that. Di- and the district hasn't changed at all either. So it's not like he's got new counties that he has to go mm-hmm. into that he didn't have before and get his name out there. It's, it's all the same. It's the same people that pulled, a- pulled the tab to elect him in 2008. He's also been gone for six years. He, you know, yeah. After he got defeated, he went downstate and took a job and yeah. did and, very well and down even, there. Even out of state, and, too. Yeah, and so now he's back. How do you think people will feel about that? Uh, yeah, I, I think... Lived here, didn't live here. I think that's, that's something that um, that the Republican nominee is for sure going going to tap into. Because it... it I mean, you're yeah, right, Tony. You it, was, it, it was no secret that mm-hmm. he left yeah. after that and... You know, went went downstate at at, at the very least. Mm-hmm. So I think they certainly will tap into that now. Whether people are going to buy into if that's going to be a big deal for them um, at the at the polls, I I I just don't know. I just don't know, and, and I I really do. 
on a big picture level, you know, because it is a, is a presidential year, you'll have a lot more people coming out to vote in, in the presidential mm-hmm. election than you do in other years when the president's not on the ballot. Um, and and I, really, I really do see a lot of folks turning out for Hillary. You, you know, mm-hmm. you can make the same argument about, about Trump and people will be fired up, but I, I think for sure you will have a lot of people coming out to vote for, for Hillary. Um, and I, I think I think Dan could kind of ride those coattails, yep. so so to speak. And, and even even if that issue of him leaving the district for six years does come up, does start to be an issue, mm-hmm. at least I I foresee him him being able to to get over that. Yeah, and he's gained a lot of experience in that six years away yeah. too. He's he's worked in some ener- ener- energy fields and some conservation fields, and he should come back now with some valuable ex- work experience that yeah. he can use to combat that. And there are just you know it's there are not many open seats out there where you've got no. a former you know elected who represented that no, that a, district. It's kind of a very interesting it. local yeah. small business owner against a, a former legislator. Yeah, it, it's going to be fun to watch that one. Yeah, and, and that's you know we talk about top a top five race on the federal level. That's a top five race on the on the state level for sure. Uh, maybe even a, even a top three uh, as I've seen in some. Some news articles that are following it out mm-hmm. there that they really think that, that that's an opportunity, a great opportunity for Democrats to pick that that seat up. So then uh, the 104th, currently occupied by Representative Inman, and he's not term limited, so he's, mm-hmm. he's running again. But he has a primary opponent in Jason Gilman, who also has some name recognition mm-hmm. in the area. What are you hearing about that particular primary race? Yeah, um, I am, I'm hearing, hearing a lot of chatter on it. Um, but, you know, I think to, to boil that all down, I think at, at the end of the day, it, it is really tough to unseat an incumbent. Certainly it happens. Um, and an incumbent with money. From yeah. you. He's got some campaign funds set aside, whereas Jason Gilman doesn't appear to from the last newspaper report that I saw anyway. Yeah. yeah. And so that's even, that's even more of a challenge unseating an incumbent when you when you don't have those funds and also when you don't when you don't really have an issue that you can go after the incumbent with uh, you know I think there's there's some, some you know more general stuff that I think Jason is uh, you know cer- there's certainly there's a difference in philosophies there big difference in, in philosophies there that I think Jason's going after but usually when you see um, somebody get unseated, uh, unseated, especially in a primary, it's a lot more than just a different political philosophy. There's either something big going on on a bigger level, either on a state or a, or a national level, like we saw in, in 2010 with that, that kind of Tea Party movement, um, or there's an issue or two that's really hanging around that individual candidate's neck um, that the opponents are really able to go after. And you're just not seeing that uh, in in this race, um, and and I don't I don't think that um, Representative Inman really has one of those issues that at least his opponents have have been able to or or gone after yet. So I do see Rep Inman holding on to that. I think it could get pretty interesting though. That's what I was just yeah. going to ask. So then he will be running against Betsy. Um, Kofia again. Mm-hmm. This, I think is the third time she's run. Is that right? That's correct. Yeah, third okay. time. And then this would be a, a rematch of mm-hmm. of the last when when um, Inman and Kofia 
opposed each other then. How close was that? It was oh, that's a. It was you know it was it was, was within within it, it was within six points you know five or six yeah, points so even less than that. Another issue where the Hillary wave, if there is one, if they do show up, could. Yeah, it it could certainly sweep somebody certainly in. could have it have an impact. Um, and and let's let's remember too that two years ago, that race was pretty close closer than that seat normally is, mm-hmm. and that was a it was a pretty good year for Republicans on a bigger picture too. Certainly in in Congress, they they expanded the number of seats they had in the House, and and they they took the Senate again. Uh, so it was a good good Republican year. And if you are going after what a lot of national pundits are saying, where you know this you know you might get a lot of lot more Democrats turning out this year could mm-hmm. be more of a, a of a Democratic wave that that could certainly make this 104 seat you know certainly I think a little closer even in in the general than we've seen in the past um, and that's that's with the incumbent there too and certainly if if Jason Gilman wins the primary um, you, you could see that even even more so because then you've got two very very different philosophies now mm-hmm. going at it in in the the general election that would be really fun to watch. <laughs> Wouldn't like that the, be something? The, the, like the most different philosophies ever. <laughs> Talk about a top five race. I mean, it'd be at least in terms of, of you know, view, viewer potential. Oh, yeah. uh, Hot uh, mess. Be, yeah, right. <laughs> so the, we don't have a ton of time left, but I'll make sure we get to this. There are also a lot of local races going on that will essentially be decided in the primary, right? So some different county commission seats, um, different t- township supervisor and township trustee type seats. Are there any of those races in particular the chamber is watching closely? And, and kind of what are you hearing about those? It yeah. seems to me there are a lot, a lot of them are really hot. Those, the, at least in Grand Traverse County, there are there are only of the seven Grand Traverse County commissioners, there are only three that have uh, primary opponents. And, and just as a reminder to everybody, the Grand Traverse County Commission, it's it's an all Republican uh, right now, um, and it's and it's you know countywide, it's still a, it's it's a very Republican county still. So you've only you've got three commissioners with primary opponents, but I think all three of those um, could be very interesting. And, you know, it, it can be tougher in local elections to really analyze and predict these things because, you know, polls are just so expensive. You're running for county board mm-hmm. or, or a township board, you know, Tony, you're not going to spend five yeah. grand on a poll or $2,000 on a poll. Not at all. So, so you've got none of that out there. So I always kind of go by, by the yard sign <laughs> Um, poll, and, and again, the yard sign poll is is not a scientific poll, and s- sometimes not a very good poll. I've seen people drastically win the si- win the yard sign war two to one, and just get pummeled at the poll. So, um, you know, not always great, but more often than not, it does give you a glimpse into name recognition, and and, and if, especially if you've got a um, a, a challenger out there, you, you can see if there's a lot of challenger signs starting to pop up. Um, yeah, you can say th- they're starting to make some. You know, they're they're starting to 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 catch hold of, of something there. Who would be some of the challengers that are making some inroads? So in 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 the county, um, going by our yard sign polling, seeing a lot of uh, Ross Child signs out there, and Ross is challenging uh, Dr. Dan Lathrop in in the first. Uh, commission district, which is 
all of Peninsula Township and, and then uh, two or three precincts in, within the city of Traverse City, too. Uh, Ross is, of course, the uh, former um, county administrator in, in Grand Traverse County. Um, so he, he does have a, you know, he's, he's been in the community a long time, I've got a lot of people that know him, and you're seeing a lot of those signs mm -hmm. um, popping up. So I, I think to me, to me that that's probably out of all the three races, that's probably one of the races that's got I think the biggest chance to flip. In this and primary. Lathrop's only been there for what one term? Um, been two I think I think two it potentially. Could, could two, yeah. and, and you know, remember these are only um, only two year terms right. on the county board. Yeah, so so it's, it's that's probably only has about been four two. years. It probably has been two. Yeah. For um, but you know, again, just kind of you know, the yard sign test, and then also just knowing what kind of connections that Ross uh, carries with him from, from his previous time uh, um, serving the county, mm -hmm. um, that, that's really been on, on my radar to see where that, where that shakes out. And I, I think out of, all of the, out of all the three, I think that one's probably the best, the best chance to, to flip. The, the, other, the other two, um, you know, just for our information, are uh, Commissioner Elisa Kropa, um, has a challenger, uh, Cheryl Gorfollet, a former NMC uh, trustee, and then um, Commissioner Bob Johnson also has a, has a challenger, uh, Mark McKellar Jr. And um, Bob's kind of got the the southern part of the county. He goes, you know, grabs Kingsley mm -hmm. and Paradise Township down there. Any any township races that are interesting to you? I do think, um, I mean, there there are quite a few even. Driving out here into Blair Township, there's uh, you know quite a yard sign war going on out out here. <laughs> yes, I have it's to tough say. to decide who's winning that <laughs> yeah, war. Right, right, exactly. It's looking pretty it, even exactly. right now. Exactly, but you do have an interesting dynamic in uh, Peninsula Township where you have uh, a slate of I believe seven candidates uh, that are that are um, going again against. Um, you know, a, a lot of the incumbents on the peninsula. Yeah, some serious and, property issues. Yeah, there's some serious develop property and, and development issues happening out there. Um, so we'll we'll see what happens out there. Certainly, that's kind of been on my radar as, yep. as something where there, there could be a lot of changes in that. What about Garfield Township? Yeah, that, that's Garfield a key Township. Uh, that's for Traverse City. That is. That's the second one I had in my radar. And certainly, Garfield Township is in Grand Traverse County. That's that's our largest municipality by far. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, even I might say even dwarfs the city of Traverse City in terms of population right now and just continues to grow. And um, uh, Supervisor uh, Chuck Korn does have a primary challenger in uh, Brad Jewett, uh, a small business owner. Um, and again, that's again, just kind of going by, um, you know, your, your, your yard sign and kind of the, some of the stuff you see on, on social media. Um, that's one that I that I think could be could be pretty close. I'm I'm not ready to say that would mm -hmm. that would flip uh, at this point, but I, I certainly think it, it it could be close and and will be close within two to two to five points at least. Mm -hmm. I think they're both putting a lot of energy and time and yeah. money in, into that race. So, a and, absolutely, and I think you're seeing that in, yeah. in some of this other stuff. And and that's when you know where again you know Peninsula and um and and, and Blair some of these other townships you've got much larger, you know, you've, you've got these different slates, um, you know, that are, that are popping up and going after each other. But Garfield is, is one where you've really kind of got a head-to-head -head going on, uh, where you don't necessarily have in, in some of these other townships, um, where they've, they've mm -hmm. adopted more of the slate, and we're going mm -hmm. to campaign as a, as a team type of thing. 
um, really interesting. You know, in, in our largest township, we do kind of have a, a, a real tete-a-tete going on for, for the tet of that yeah. bit township. A bit more of a brawl. Yeah, then, yeah, right. And, you know, maybe that's how we'll, we'll have them duke it out at the end, right? Uh, who Pro- knows? Probably right? not. We're, we're not condoning fighting on this podcast, but. We're not, but if arm wrestling, if, if Mr. Trump's elected, who knows? Yeah. Maybe uh, yeah. you know, maybe that's where things go. But who knows? So, in the last minutes we have, um, what type of turnout do you think we're going to get in the primary? Any predictions? Is it going to be a big one? I mean, at the local level, things just seem really hot, and everybody's yeah. you know, yeah, talking about it. But I do, you know, I'm not ready to say that it would be a record, but I, I do think it will be higher than normal, and a bit higher than normal too. Yeah, I think so. Between what's you know what's going on, and it's you know, especially here we've got we've got hotly contested federal election, some hotly contested house elections, some hotly contested local elections. Um, everything's hot right now, yeah. so a lot of passion behind yeah, a lot yeah, of candidates absolutely. that should get people to the polls in November. So again, uh, you know, will it be eighty percent turnout? No, I, I'm not ready to say that at this point, but I, I, I do think it will be higher than than normal, higher than we normally see. And that's exciting. And that, and that is a call to action to everyone who's listening to this podcast. Get out and vote because your neighbors and friends are going to be voting. And yeah. if, you, if you're not careful, they'll be casting votes on your behalf. That's right. Well, thank you for joining us. This has been really, really informative. Tony, any last words before we go into co-op fun facts? No, just encourage everybody to vote. Voting is important. It is important. Vote your conscience. <laughs> to, 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 I couldn't resist, but vote your conscience. Just get out and vote. It's, it's very important. Which is not Tony endorsing any candidate for no any candidate. office. None. Okay, so real quick before we uh, end, time for co-op fun facts. Tony, do you want to kick us off? Sure. President Carter uh, beat Gerald Ford, a uh, Michigan native, as everybody knows, in 1976. And he used 47% of the rural vote to do that. And it's very key. And President Carter also had one relationship to electric co-ops that no president has had before or since. His father was a co-op director and often lobbied in D.C. for REA back in the day. So get out and vote. Kent? This is the Chamber of Commerce's 101st year of operation. We founded back in November, I believe, of 1915. And so for 101 years, at least the Traverse City Chamber uh, has existed and been going strong been making our community great again that's right (laughs) well done building no walls (laughs) uh so i'm i'm gonna do a little vote thing too uh so in the 2012 presidential election rural communities saw an 18 percent decline in voter turnout which was double the decline in urban and suburban communities so it's just really really important those of us who live in a rural community to get out there and vote because if we don't we will continue to lose our voice in these really important issues and thank you for coming in and talking to us about some of them it's been my pleasure thanks a lot ken